0: What is up, Gadsters? Welcome back to Gadzooks, the number one, the internet's first, number one and only Josh Gad fan cast, covering the entire filmography of Josh Gad, including, but not limited to, the greatest cinematic death scene of all time in Frozen, and the second greatest cinematic death scene of all time in Frozen 2. Also, Pixels, where he has sex with q and the Thurgood Marshall biopic that I didn't see, but he was in it. Also this movie, Artemis Fowl, where he takes a big shit all over a 12-year-old girl. Hi, my name is Jackson McMurray.
1: Hi, I'm Ellen McMurray, your number one Gadiac. Here to, with the facts and the cool and the, and the, and the jazz all about Josh Gad.
0: Cool, great. This is No Nerds allowed. My name is Jackson McMurray.
1: What is that? again. I, I, Robocop joke. Already made it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay. Today, we are discussing Artemis Fowl with one Keisha Rhodes. Because we had another guest who dropped out last second. I won't say who they are because I don't want to embarrass them.
1: Who we'll remain nameless.
0: But it was Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Anyway, episode's a day late because we had to re-record. Sorry. Today, for the very first time, Today. we're discussing Artemis Fowl. The Disney Plus original, Kenneth Branagh-directed event film.
1: I like to call this movie, thank God for coronavirus, because if I had to pay money to see this in theaters, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm starting to think this whole coronavirus thing is a net positive, now that it's all shaken out. I think and we're I didn't better have
2: to pay $9 it. to watch this movie. <laughs> Do you think that Disney was like, hey Josh Gad, um, if you get 10 punches... We'll let you pick out whatever you want. We'll make you a movie. But you have to do a bunch of movies for us first. And we get all the say.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you think that he's just, like, saving up coupons at Disney that he can cash in to do some kind of passion project later?
2: Yeah, I think, like, the 10th one is free. I think that's what's
0: happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think his passion project is going to be?
2: Jo- what would Josh Gad's passion project be? I feel like it, it's probably... Um, did you ever read that book, uh, Streganona? no no it's a book about an italian witch who has a magic spaghetti pot and it makes too much spaghetti and then the whole town is flooded with spaghetti i think that's it i bet my hat
0: hat. so okay he plays
2: the spaghetti pot
0: we're just putting that out in the universe josh gad will be in a movie about Straganona.
1: yeah 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 (laughs) okay grandma how is that any different than the Bunny Vampire book? What is that called?
0: Bunicula. Bunicula. <laughs> not Adeline doesn't believe that Bunicula is a real thing.
1: Yeah, it absolutely not. is a real thing. Because it's called Bunicula, like some kind of virial disease. Like Bunny Dracula, <laughs> Bunicula. But <laughs> Bunicula doesn't sound like Bunny or Dracula, it just sounds like
2: Bunicula. <laughs> well, it's. Listen. One day you're gonna ha- find a, a bunny who looks like a vampire, and you're gonna find some carrots that are white because they the life's been drained out of them, and you're gonna be the one who's looking stupid.
1: Wait, he only he only kills carrots. What are we even worried about? It's just a regular bunny.
0: Cause we don't know what he'll do next.
1: Maybe he yeah. will kill a man. Maybe he'll kill the president. Who knows? Uh,
0: what if
2: carrots can't quench his thirst fast enough? <laughs> And then
0: he kills the dog. I have a really specific memory of reading Benicula as a kid and looking on the back of it and seeing the phrase, over a million copies sold, and thinking that it meant that there were a million books in the Benicula series. (laughs) (laughs) And being excited to dig into the rich canon of Benicula over the course of the next 999,000 books. (laughs)
2: <laughs> wow you've got a lot of tales a lot of tales there... to, to tell
0: <laughs> lots about of Panicula, tales apparently <laughs> so today speaking of books i read as a kid
1: that made today, you different than all the other girls
0: right artemis fowl was my favorite book series all through middle school and kind of the beginning of high school um we don't talk they... about the beginning of high school say again
1: We don't talk about the beginning of high school.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, So, so Artemis Fowl is basically, I talk a lot about series of unfortunate events being one of the things that sort of like introduces you as a kid to like a lot of these things that you had just never considered were possible in storytelling before. Right? Like you can have a story that's just kind of like, weird and, like, postmodern in its writing style and weirdly self-referential, like, that's insane. And then you get to the end of the series and you're like, they can just not tell you stuff if they don't want to? You're allowed to do that? (laughs) Like, the fact that that series ends and you still don't know, like, all the answers to all the mysteries at the end and then you're just done and you're like, that's insane. I can't believe that you're allowed to do that. I Um,
2: just
1: can't believe it
0: (laughs) i think that artemis fowl occupies a lot of the same space because it is sort of like a primer for like anti-hero storytelling you know because that that is truly what the book is like really predicated on is this idea that it's like oh there's this kid who's an evil mastermind and the whole story is him about is just about him like extorting and taking advantage of this like secret fairy people who want to remain a secret like there is very little in the first book there's very little genuine like redeeming qualities to him he just sucks and he's like taking advantage of a whole society of people to get a whole bunch of fairy gold and that's like it that's the whole story and it rules um and like it's this for a lot of kids. It's the first time somebody says like uh, the ba- the good guy can just be the bad guy in this one. Like we're just gonna pay attention to the bad guy. Like I don't want you... the good guy to win because he right. kind of sucks. You've like you've never seen anything like that before. Um, and unless this...
2: you watched Ocean's Eleven as an eleven year old. <laughs>
0: You're, 11 right, you're is right. not really an anti-hero story is it
2: yes it is they're just going out and robbing people
0: <laughs> they're trying to get back at the evil casino i thought a heist
2: movie a heist you uh, if you are the main character in a heist movie you're automatically <laughs> an anti-hero because okay. you're if you break the law and i've learned this recently if you break the law you're the bad guy so, yeah, haven't you ever seen Wreck It
0: Ralph? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does break a lot <laughs> of laws. Have you learned in nothing Wreck-It from
2: Ralph? Ralph? Breaks laws and breaks windows. He's a bad um, guy. And but then he speaking gets of, for it,
0: there are some things in Artemis Fowl that do not age especially well. One of the things about it is that, like, the police state <laughs> in the city, in Lower yeah. Haven is, like, super... It's meant to be, like, a Michael Mann movie, right? They're, like, all these, like, super gritty, jaded cops who are, like, contemptuous of the public, and they're constantly, like, arresting these people who are, like, in gang wars, and the gangs are between the goblins and the dwarves, and they talk about the goblins having a lot of tattoos, um, which are, you know, a whole bunch of things that I found... Distasteful in February when I was rereading this, and today <laughs> in right June now. I found to be slightly horrifying, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, All the
1: goblins with their rap music and their, their hoodies—it's <laughs> it's like, exactly Ugh. like that.
0: It's genuine. Our like skin
1: that. don't burn, and- bro, <laughs> <laughs> and their basketball, and it's like, oh god, no. But can your brains explode?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. And like.
0: <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's a little rough. <laughs> um, but it, but there's also this thing that I feel like they talk about just how like biologically stupid goblins are. And that's yeah. like Owen Colfer's way to be like, Oh, but you know, it's just they're just acting that way because they're they're not people. Obviously, they're goblins, they're just, and they're, they're just goblins.
1: dumb. Why does every fantasy thing ever do this? Why is it all <laughs> like just like sl- like on the edge of being super racist? Yeah. Like why is so that it, always just a part uh, of it? It's this? like
2: founded in racism. Like Tolkien, he, there's Tolkien. <laughs> like he, they have there. They found writings where he was like, oh, you know, orcs. Um, we base them off of the the Mongolian people because of right. their dumb sl- slanty eyes and their ugly <laughs> flat noses, <And laughs> like, oh which no. is fun. Oh it's God. fun to watch the Lord of the Rings knowing that as a, right, an right. Asian American whammon yeah,
0: <laughs> makes it better. Oh, makes it better, I think.
2: Oh, yeah! Um, I'm like I see myself
1: in orcs so much. <laughs> it makes cosplay really easy.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rough one. But in this
2: movie, like Josh Gad is a dwarf mm. and they keep saying they kept saying like it's just in a dwarf's nature to dig and find gold and take it. But then he gets Shit. so that's literally it's like in his DNA he has to do that. And then they're like 400 years of prison time. <laughs> but like you but what like an accommodating society you're like (laughs) yes it's in your nature to I don't don't, like I don't know like uh, you are gonna just hop around and, and yell out but we're gonna we're gonna punish you for that because right that's the way our society. Because <laughs> you're yeah. not a you're not a fairy like the police.
0: <laughs> right. so you're, you're, you're the bad you're guy. You're gross
2: and dirty. You're not cute and in a green outfit like us.
0: Right, yeah. but yeah. So like all the all the fairy cops are like these cigar chomping, like embittered, jaded cops who just like every time something goes wrong in the city, they're always like, oh, and all the unwashed masses are gonna get out and cause trouble and. We have to make sure, because everybody's so stupid. You know, it's like that's very much like the attitude of the of the the, the police forces in the Artemis Fowl book. And as in a, the Artemis a,
1: Fowl book, in, in the as as Artemis Fowl book,
0: right? But like as a kid, it like it feels kind of cool. It's like gritty. You know, it feels like this like sweaty, grimy like place where it's
1: your first taste of grit.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, it's like this, like, cynical police procedural, you know? It's kind of cool. But, you know, obviously, there are certain realities you have to acknowledge along with that experience anyway. Um, but, like, this movie, so the movie, which I'll just say that this movie has been in development for long enough. There was, at one point, they announced they were going to do an open casting call for Artemis Fowl. And I was age-appropriate to think to myself, oh, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could get the part. Um, <laughs> so I'll just let that speak for itself. Uh, cool. Both about you the timeline you and that, about... You gave
1: that talent agency $100 and they never called you back.
0: <laughs> right. um, but uh, also apparently there was a certain point where they wanted Saoirse Ronan to play Holly, which makes me so mad because that would have been so much better. Also, there's no reason you can't just cast an adult as Holly. Whatever, it's fine. None of the other none of the other fairies are children except for the one, and she has to act alongside. She's
2: only (laughs) eighty-five. Because
0: she has to act alongside Glenn Close and act like they are on an even playing field emotionally and intellectually, and it's weird. When it's um, like
1: even when she's like interacting with like Artemis, it still just feels like two like kids arguing and it's right. like it kinda like takes attention away from it when she's not in like it's a cool thing when it's like a child has imprisoned an adult. It's like, whoa, this is like a cool like power, like imbalance. Mm-hmm. But then when it's just like two kids, it's just like two kids yelling yeah. at each other it's wow. like and she's like, You'll never get away with this. I'm telling mom and it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's like yeah. Because, and I don't know, and there's this weird balance. Every once in a while, there's a fairy that you can tell as a kid. But sometimes they're just adult actors. Sometimes they're little people. Sometimes they're kids. There's no consistency. They all, it's just like, fuck all. They um, couldn't
1: make a decision about what the fairies would be. And that kind of feels right. like step one.
0: Um, I
2: think their decision to uh, give, like, Dame Judy Dench, like, a weird gravelly voice. <laughs> they should have yeah. followed through with all of the fairies. Like, they all just, like... Yeah,
0: they all just... Sound like this. They're, like, all doing (laughs)
2: their best Batman impression.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, credit to Karen Hahn on Twitter, who said that Glenn Close is doing a Christian Bale Batman voice in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) But, yeah, so... You've
1: been smoking too many fantasy cigarettes.
0: So, okay. First things first. This movie seems to actively have absolutely nothing to do with the book upon which it's based right yep, 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 yep. so like the story of the book is straight up just like artemis fowl senior is this shitty shady irish billionaire who's made his fortune by just like being a literal like crime lord like an evil evil man right but then he goes missing in russia and artemis fowl jr is just like, oh, well, uh, I guess it's my turn to step up and be the shithead billionaire of the family. So, literally, the movie is, j- or the book is just him, like, taking advantage of the fairy people. There's, like, no ulterior noble motive for him. He just I wants to, to find impress my his dad. He like he wants to weirdly really impress his crime lord dad is like the main motivation and he does yeah. that by stealing like billions of dollars worth of gold from this like secret civilization underground. Um and like and to me it's important that like Artemis Fowl Jr the main character is like the one who actually discovers the fairies, right? Cuz it's like yeah. this whole process of him like translating the language and finding out their rituals and like slowly learning about their culture so he could take advantage of it you know
1: jackson um, this movie does not have time to do any of that right well, this and... movie barely has time to do any of the things that it does do
0: <laughs> wait right. oh,
2: okay but here's the thing that doesn't make sense about that is that like literally the first 10 minutes we only exposition, and then a yeah. lot of the rest of the movie was just like more exposition. This but whole then, movie so, is exposition, which is like it's all exposition. Which means you'd think that they were making room to do more things. No, <laughs> <laughs> right? they were just making room for more exposition. Yeah.
0: So okay, I have a whole take about this, but I'll, I'll build up to it. Uh, okay. Basically, they've 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 realigned this whole story to be like, oh, Artemis Fowl Senior discovered the fairies but he has a good relationship with one particular noble fairy because together they want to find the object which is not a thing in the book at all it's just this made-up nonsense the object that we all want to get
1: they also set up this idea of like man and fairy friendship which is like (laughs) fine but they, we don't have time to develop any of the relationships or have any conversations <laughs> that aren't exposition. So right. at the end of the movie, when Holly and Artemis are like, we're friends forever, right? And she's like, of course, Artemis. It's like, you guys have had one conversation together and you were yelling at each other the whole time.
0: <laughs> so
2: I also like the idea of a MacGuffin movie, but the MacGuffin is in the house that they're in the whole time. So they Yeah, it's <laughs> just like <they're laughs> there. Right.
0: Yeah, the protagonist fair, has the MacGuffin the entire time. <laughs>
2: so the plot of the yeah. movie
1: is that Artemis' dad gets kidnapped, and then like Artemis gets like a ransom note. It's like, you have to bring me this thing or I'm going to kill your dad. He's like, okay, i got to find this thing a that I know hole. is in my house. So what I'm going <laughs> to do is I'm going to kidnap a fairy, have the whole fairy military show up to my fa- house, have them all threaten to kill me, And then I'll say they can't get in my house, and so then they'll send a dwarf into my house, and then the dwarf will find the thing that's in my own home that I live in. That's that's his his genius idea. I know that
2: dwarves break into safes, so he'll come break into this safe. That's exactly what I wanted him to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not like there's a key for this safe that's in my house. Nope. No way.
0: So, okay. What this movie feels like to me... Because, obviously, it had a very troubled production schedule, right? Oh, yeah. It was supposed to come out last summer, and then it got pushed back to, like, this March, and then it got pushed back again to now because of the virus. And what it feels like to me is, like, Kenneth Branagh made his Artemis Fowl movie, and it was probably, like, two hours, ten minutes long, And it was probably about Artemis Fowl being a shithead. And then Disney took a look at it and they were like, we can't, we can't do that. We gotta make him a nice kid. That's not on
2: brand, bro.
0: So he's like, okay, fine. And they go into extensive reshoots and he like changes it all up. They add Colin Farrell. They literally added Colin Farrell to the cast as part of reshoots for this movie.
1: And Colin Farrell doesn't even do anything. He just (laughs) gets kidnapped.
0: Um... So, and then he makes this whole thing. He, like, restructures it a little bit, makes it about how Artemis Fowl actually just cares about his dad, whatever. Um, but then they're like, okay, great, so this is kind of something. It is, like, two hours, 20 minutes long now, though, so what we're gonna need you to do is cut it down to a tight 90 minutes. And so what he just had to do was get rid of, like, every single part of the movie that is, like, the the point of movies. <laughs> Right? Like, every single scene in this movie is just people telling each other things they're about to do. And then you spend, like, a second seeing them do that thing, and then you move on to the next scene of people telling each other what they're about to do. It's, like, literally every scene that could have, like, fun, meaningful character interactions, good jokes or comedy in them, fun, interesting action set pieces like any of the reasons you would ever go watch a movie right are not in this film are completely taken out of this movie it kind i think of, it
1: almost feels like they, they they definitely did that like only kept the like exposition plot relevant scenes they only kept right. that stuff but then it also feels like they just like cut off like the first 10 seconds and last 10 seconds of every single scene cuz there's right. like points where like characters like jump to places that they weren't a second ago and it's like it's implied that like time has passed but the shot was like just then like it's weird like it's so fast paced it's crazy
2: like when Um. they introduce Juliet and it's like oh (laughs) she can she can have a sword and blah 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 and then she's just like bringing him a sandwich and she's like you need to eat (laughs) and he's like I can't I'm researching fairies or whatever let me tell you a bunch of plot points really quickly
0: Right.
1: And they also and do this thing that I'm sure is a choice, but it feels like a choice wrought from need. That like they, They'll like speed up action shots. Like someone will like hit someone and they'll have it sped up, they'll like drop the frame rate and speed it up. And I'm sure it's a choice. It has to be a choice, because it looks terrible. And it makes it <laughs> seem like I'm watching a Spy Kids movie. It's not
0: good. Um also I just want to bring up Juliet Butler is such a weird decision in this movie because like the dynamic of her character in the book series I think is kind of funny like the idea is is that like it's like Butler's niece but she's supposed to be like 17 and Artemis is supposed to be like 11 and she's like this hot ripped like martial arts girl who's just like a total babe and Artemis is always like uh, like, <clears throat> <and laughs> like, Which is, like, the joke of it, right? Is that he's, yeah. like, this boy, like, on the edge of puberty, and there's always this just, like, total babe that's his butler's sister, like, hanging around all the time. Um, which is funny, but then they're like, what if in this one instead she was just, like, another 12-year-old? What if she was no 11? Function?
1: And, you are, and when they say she's 11, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be, like, a parallel, where, like, she's, like, a regular kid, and he's a super genius or whatever, so it, like, really right. highlights, like, what's weird about Artemis, and, like, she feels like an adult, and she feels like a kid, even though they're the same age. Uh, but mm-hmm. what they actually did, uh,
2: was nothing
1: with her. <laughs> right, she doesn't do all. anything.
2: She makes him a sandwich, and... She makes Holly like, a sandwich. She, that troll... With a d- Let's grill. have a black female character that only makes
1: people sandwiches. Are we Are we all good with
2: that? <laughs> I don't is see that, anything problematic good? with that. It's inclusion.
0: It's <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so, yeah. I do not think that
1: Dom should have been a black man because...
0: That's its whole own thing. That's right? its
1: whole own thing, but it's so just... So let me... The
0: you whole you idea, do it. The whole idea of the butlers is that like in the book they're this old school russian family that have like been tied to the fowls for generations for every fowl there's always a butler who is their like bodyguard and protector it's like this long lineage right but if you take that and you make the butlers african then, like, they're just (laughs) defo-defo for sure slaves. (laughs) Like, there's no way to get around that. They definitely, definitely for sure were slaves. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's not even Russian anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I had never read Artemis Fowl. I don't know anything Mm -hmm. about Artemis Fowl. So when I watched it, I assumed, because, like, I was guessing that, like, white hair and piercing blue eyes were character descriptions. Is that correct? (laughs) No. 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 So that was no. just the choice that the movie. <laughs> that was just
0: the choice that they made. Um, I thought
2: that it was gonna be like revealed, like oh, he's, he's a fairy. fairy, or some, <laughs> he's half something, and then it, right. later in the series, it's gonna be like you were under our nose the whole time, but it was just like. <laughs> Okay, good to know. Good to
0: know. No, no, he just—he's just weird like that. looking for no reason.
1: He just looks like he's from Kingdom Hearts for no reason. Love
2: that. Right. Love that because you know, it's, uh, it's fantasy. fantasy.
0: <laughs> right, and the other, the other weird casting decision they make in this movie is yeah. casting Glenn Close as Commander Root, who is a man in the in the books, because it is Judy of,
2: Dench though.
0: It is still Judy Dench. They make a point of that in the book. Um. <laughs> But it's—so, like, part of the central idea of, like, the world and the characters in the book is that Holly is basically—she's like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs, right? She's, like, the first female police cadet to, like, rise through the ranks to whatever rank she's at. And it's not like—the story's not totally about her, like, fighting sexism or whatever— But just that particular character dynamic, like, informs everything she does and, like, describes, like, the world that she lives in, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, like, one more facet of this, like, gritty police department, you know, Um, is that she's constantly having to be tough and fight through misogyny, you know? Um, And (laughs) which is why it's so weird to make the police chief a woman in this movie, because yeah, you just like, totally, totally destroy that
1: whole,
2: that whole thing, Like, and...
0: eliminating that whole idea. Um, and he, so, Especially okay. since
2: Bright did it first, you know?
0: <laughs> right.
1: See, this movie passes the Bechtel test, and I hate it.
0: There is something to be said about Bright and Artemis Fowl being kind of similar in a lot of ways.
2: And I just, think like, that... um, lack of world-building and lazy
0: writing? Or... <laughs> right. No, but, I mean, even in terms of the books, I think, you know, I read the first three books a few months ago. I don't want to say in anticipation of the movie, more like just because I was thinking about Artemis Fowl for the first time in a while because of yeah, the movie. Yeah, uh-huh, sure. Um, because, like, and I think that the books do hold up in terms of, like, how fun they are to read, and, like, the characters are all really engaging, and the whole thing fits together really well. Like, I totally... I mean, like I said, I read the first three of them. I didn't, like, stop at the first one. Yeah. Um But this movie is, like, absolutely, like, gutting it of all the things that make it interesting. Because, I mean, like I said, the things that draw you into it as a kid is because it's, like, your first experience with not only, like, gritty, dark, tough kind of storytelling but also with, like, anti-heroes. You've never been exposed to something like that before, and it's interesting. Those, I think, literally the success of those stories can be boiled down to just those two things. And this movie, like, the biggest choices it makes are to eliminate those two things out of the story entirely. So it's like, yeah. who even cares anymore, you know?
2: Well, and it's like... Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. And also, I feel like I just, I never knew what I was supposed to be waiting for or watching. Like, (laughs) even from the beginning, I, like, I started, I watched the first half hour yesterday and then was starting to fall asleep, so I watched (laughs) it again this morning. But I, I like, wasn't getting anything my first time through. Like, for the first 10 minutes, I was like... Are we, like, is Artemis Fowl, like, a, a legend or a mystery? Like, are we supposed to be trying to think? Is that Artemis Fowl in the past? And this is the future? Like, I, that, like, the whole time. And then I was like, okay, this kid, this is Artemis Fowl. And then in my brain, it was like, Artemis Fowl isn't your average 12-year-old. He's super smart. He's got a cool house. He's riding this electric skateboard (laughs) through the woods like he's so cool look at his cool sunglasses this kid's rad but I never (laughs) got like he I never got evil genius vibes
0: yeah no he's a piece of shit in the books that's the whole point (laughs) he's like Um, a different
1: piece of shit in this movie he's just like an annoying kid like it's he's not like evil he's just like annoying (laughs)
2: I, like, could tell he was just, like, kind of jaded because his mom's dead and everyone right. hates his dad, which I feel like just happens when you're 12 anyway. I, like, my, my favorite part of this movie
1: is where he finds out that his dad's been missing and they, like, say that he's, like, a crime lord and he just yells at the TV, That's my dad! That's my dad! <laughs> yeah, That's my dad! And he drags him out
2: of the kitchen and he's, like banging against would the door the glass door it's, it like, the TV. it's like
1: dude just turn the tv off <laughs> and then and, uh, my favorite part of um, the scene is that comes up and then the butler's like we gotta go and then they don't go anywhere as if the tv's going to hurt them
2: <laughs> no because literally no time goes by in the movie and then he gets a phone call and he says Artemis don't pick up the phone and so then he does and then he's like I kidnapped your another gravelly I voice. Kidnapped your father. <laughs> like, I kidnapped your father, and I. You have to get me the gun, I governor. don't remember what it was called.
0: <laughs> so yeah, and so then we, he's like, like,
2: "Hold on, uh, can we talk about the, how they solve the problem
1: of the movie? Is that they just teleport the dad home, and that <laughs> fixes everything, and that's what, and that <laughs> solves all of the problems?"
0: And I'm yeah. so. Deeply annoyed that they set up this villain of Opal Cowboy, who's this whole thing in the books. She's like the main antagonist of the series, um, but Opal Cowboy is supposed to be like an Elon Musk type. She's like this tech billionaire weapons developer who's constantly like on the verge of insanity and like manipulating like all of the 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 sort of like corporate culture of the the underground city to her own gain, usually through the means of, like, military action. You know? She's, like, a very particular character. And in this, I first of all, it's super annoying that she is absolutely not anything. She's just an anonymous bad guy in a hood It's just like, I kidnapped your dad. What are you gonna do about it? But then, like, they don't even... Like what you have to do, what you have to do, is in the at the very end of the movie after it gets resolved, she's gonna take off her hood and be Kate Blanchett, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like she, it has to be a big reveal, and you're like, oh shit, the bad guy was actually Amy Adams all yeah. along. I don't know, it's gotta be a huge deal, but they. Just don't. They, they just, never show you her face the whole movie. They don't do anything And her. that's just that. She is, like, literally... We don't know who she is. We don't know what she wants. We don't know what her motivations are. We don't know, like, anything. We don't know what she looks like. She's absolutely nothing. She serves no purpose as a character. And it's like... Like, it might as well be that...
1: A it, like
0: literally, it might as well be that Artemis Fowl Senior is like stuck in a canyon, 127 hours style. <laughs> yeah. For all that she functions well, as like, a part of the story, what
1: I, what her is stupid. It's I kidnap. I know that Artemis Fowl has this thing that I want, so I'm gonna kidnap him so his son has to give it to me. But that's just her whole. That's her entire plan. She's got no backup. She's got no army. <laughs> she's got no weapons. She's got nothing other than I physically have your dad. And so when they just used the magic item to teleport their dad home, she's just like, ah, fuck, I can't, I can't do anything anymore. I've lost all of the things that I was gonna do. And it's like, I wanted her to, like, teleport the dad home, and then dad be like, hey, son, you're an idiot. That's not gonna solve the problem. She's gonna come and kick your ass now. And then I expected, a, like, the real big showdown to be between the, the Opal and the Artemis Fowl family that's now reunited or whatever the fuck. But they did not do that. They just completely right. foiled her entire plan by teleporting their
0: dad home. <laughs> right. Until, Until the, the second movie, which will
2: never be made.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is a weird thing also, because this movie has completely shat all over any any sense of actual yeah. relation to the books. If you were to go through and start adapting these books, there is absolutely no way that any of the plot points from any of them could fruitfully pan out now, right? (laughs) So I don't know what they thought they were going to do, but...
2: I think they're just going to keep rolling with this father-son thing. Just make up their own stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite line in the movie was when Artemis Fowl Jr. to Artemis Fowl Sr. said, dad, I don't believe in these fairy tales anymore. What I want to believe in is you.
0: That was, was good. Like, that was really good. I gotta go. I gotta, gotta go, go on my helicopter i will yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> stop being a bad guy, villain. I, I'll return last, the Rosetta Yeah, Stone he never
1: returns this. the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my favorite I part. like
2: how they they just drop all these things. Like, oh yeah, he's he stole all of these. It's like despicable yeah. me, but not a joke. Where it's like,
0: <laughs> right. I, he stole, he stole the, moon. the
2: pyramids of Giza, but like, there's no. Also, that's so stupid. Like, there's no way. There's that could like ever news happen. crews like at their house,
1: like, hey yo, you like defo stole all this stuff. And weirdly, the police aren't there. I, okay, the whole like storytelling aspect of this movie doesn't make any sense. Where Digums is like in prison telling the story. When did Diggums get arrested? We never In black see and that. White. And why? Why is this weird elite yeah. police no, at the force very trying to arrest Artemis Fowl? And the way that they do that is by arresting Diggums. When every news crew and person on the planet knows that Armis Fowl is just inside his fucking house, why don't the police just go to his house and arrest (laughs) him? Why do they have to go through Diggums? When does Diggums get arrested? Because he only allegedly- Because at the end of the movie, when they get in the helicopter, Diggums is, like, with them. But then it turns out that that helicopter was going to save Diggums, but we never saw Diggums get arrested, so, like, that
2: whole thing doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. I mean, he gets- He gets, like, handcuffed at the very beginning of the movie and they're like, you need to tell us what Artemis Fowl is. And he's like, I'm gonna tell you about fairies in Ireland. And did you know that Artemis Fowl Jr. cloned a sheep when he was only 10 years old? (laughs) Wow.
0: So, okay. I've compiled a list of scenes in this movie that are scenes that... Feel like something made by a person. The bit where he is mean to the psychologist at the beginning. But
2: it's a scene. Not good. Mm -hmm.
0: Is a scene, though.
2: Do you know what would have made that, like, real good to me? What? Is if instead of being like, Artemis Fowl, he... Did you know that he won a chess match against Bobby Fischer or whatever? (laughs) If he instead was, like, talking to his therapist and playing chess against him. And he was like, why don't you want to talk to me about your mom? Why don't you want to talk to me about your dad? And it looks like Artemis Fowl is like losing all his pieces. And he's like, boom, 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 checkmate. I'm done talking to you, bitch. I'm (laughs) out of here. That seems so funny too,
1: because film Um, therapists are always the worst therapists of all time. And, like, that scene where he's, like, talking to Marcel, it's like, oh, this seems like a pretty good therapist. Like, he's, like, trying to, like, talk to, like, Artemis while still, like, trying to help him. Until the very end of that scene where, like, Artemis, like, gets mad and storms out and the
2: therapist just yells, who do you think you are? And it's like, what? What kind of medical professional? (laughs) And we find out that there was a, there was a viewing, a viewing room the whole time. So everyone was watching him have his
0: (laughs) therapy session. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Second scene that is a scene, uh, when the two of when Holly and Artemis are talking while she's in the cave. Yeah. In the cage, I mean. Again, mm-hmm. not great, but it feels like a dramatic unit yeah. that plays out in its entirety. The entire scene
1: game. where the and troll the, attacks the mafia wedding is like almost a scene, but again, it's too quick. It's too fast paced that it doesn't no. feel like a scene. It's cool. It's not a scene.
0: Because there are a handful... Because in a movie like this, you always, like, make sure to, like, parse out your big action set pieces, right? You have, like, a really big, exciting one in the first act. You can have, like, kind of a smaller one that'll just, like, get your blood pumping again in the second act. And then the third act is, like, your big, climactic one. And this movie... Yeah. Basically, the only... The third scene I was going to mention is when they're fighting the troll in the mansion. Because that feels yeah. like a full set piece that is like exciting and interesting to watch,
1: but is apparently really. the climax of the movie,
0: right?
2: <laughs> because also the world's exploding around them, or time <laughs> right. freezing, or whatever. Yeah,
0: and it's like every other thing that feels like it's about to be an exciting set piece in this movie, feels like feels like a longer, like full-sized sequence that they just chopped the middle out of. They let it get started and they just cut right to as quickly as they possibly can with the footage available to them. They manufacture it such that it cuts straight to the end so it could be over as fast as possible. There's the bit where the troll attacks the Godfather wedding, which seems like it would have been cool, but then we just kind of don't do anything. It's just, just nothing there. And then there's the bit where Butler fights a whole bunch of like, Fairy SWAT team members that like shoots the bow and arrow into the sky, which is kind of cool for like two seconds, and then it's just over. Like, both times it feels like the entire sequences have just been lifted out of the movie.
1: This movie does Mm -hmm. a really good job of making the fairy military look like it sucks and is ineffective and is bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the costume design is so boring. It's not interesting at all. They're green. And. Haven, yes, and Haven looks bad. It doesn't look like anything. It's just the whole movie feels like just these ugly, like ugly bullet points. What I yeah. what I said was that like this movie feels like a full length trailer for a movie we'll never see. Yeah. Like mm. it's just like telling you the bare minimum amount of information for you to understand the premise and then like a little like a few shots of like some action thrown in to get you excited about it and like that's it like that's the whole that's did what the you whole ever? Movie feels like
2: did you ever play pop tropica like yes. i did mm-hmm. it just felt like playing pop tropica where like <laughs> you'd click on a character and they'd have like three bullet points that they would tell you yeah and it's <laughs> right. like artemis fowl fairies are real um your father has been studying them for a while if you click around this screen, you'll find the paperwork that he needs sometimes. <laughs> and it's like, you're, it's your duty to like think back and be like, oh yeah, a couple minutes ago, I learned that about this poem that my dad would read to me. It must be that, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the whole movie just felt like, and sometimes there are those little mini games. It just felt like, right. okay, yeah. you've got to this and now you got your medal and you did it. You're getting off the ice Yeah, and Now you <laughs> go to the next like, place. My favorite part <sighs> this is when- not
0: good.
1: They- that whole time that like they're in the bubble and it's, like, falling apart, they make a huge deal out of the fact that that time bubble is collapsing, and then when it does collapse,
2: absolutely nothing happens. <laughs> or- yeah. but do, like, do some of the fairies, like, dissolve away or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, unclear! In the
0: books, the fairies can't go out during the day. So, the danger oh, they're is- they're
2: vampires, just like Benicula.
0: Yes, just, just like Benicula. Like... If I remember correctly, the setup in the book is that they, at sundown, they they put the, the time stop over the mansion, so that they can let it be nighttime forever in there, so they can hang out. But, eventually, they sabotage it, and they're aware that it's about to break down, and the danger is that it's going to break down and it's gonna be like noon outside and they're all gonna get burnt by the sun. That is Ooh. sort of the structure That's, of that you know, in the those book. Those
2: are clear That's, stakes. Hey, that sounds really cool and like a lot yeah, a lot of yeah, stakes sounds like that, it Sounds like it makes sense. Yeah, in a movie, <laughs> I feel like it would have been so easy to There's do. There's literally that the no movie. reason uh-huh. yeah. that they put the time stop down in
1: the movie. There's no reason. The reason that they put the top sign the time stop down for the the Godfather wedding is because they're trying to capture the monster, so they need it to be frozen, and because they have to mind wipe all those people. That's why they put the time stop down. But for the Artemis Fowl situation, they're not- they're not kidnapping anybody. They're not- first of all, Artemis Fowl and everybody is not affected by the time stop for some reason. They never tell you why they're not frozen in time.
0: It's because that's not how the time stop worked in the book. It doesn't freeze everybody. But that's, that's how it they, they like, in the
1: movie, that's how they area... establish what it does. It freezes time right, in that bubble. Right. And then the second time that they use it, it just straight yeah. up doesn't do that. So I don't know why they put it down. Right. Maybe it just do to anything, keep Artemis Powell like... there, but he's not going to leave anyway. So there's just no reason to use the time bubble at all. And then when it starts to break down, Mm -hmm. it, like, they should, like, oh, it's swallowing fairies. But then when it's, like, really breaking down, like, Holly gets stuck in it and she just, like, comes out of it and she's fine. Like, there's no, it doesn't do anything, it's breaking down. And then it totally collapses and everyone's, like, running to get out of there. And then, like Holly, like stops and looks back at the mansion, and what's her face? It's like Holly, you can't save them. Get out of there! And then the whole thing collapses. And then the next scene is just like Artemis talking to Butler, like nothing has happened. Like it's sh- it's it doesn't do anything. It's right. stupid.
2: It's also that Foley can be a character, but why is Foley a character? <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, I um, hate all the names. <laughs> yeah, they're all stupid. <laughs> Get it? Because he's no, a horse. No,
0: hey now, hey now. Hey, no. Fully hey, now.
2: Um,
0: he is
1: good. He doesn't do shit. So okay. Nobody in this movie does anything.
0: Here are the bits that I like about this movie. I like Josh Gad. I I like all the weird dwarf stuff where he opens up his mouth. I think that's fun and interesting. Josh I like Gad that. is doing that's a cool. really
1: good job
0: Yeah.
1: in this terrible movie. Like, if see, if this was a regular movie, I would be like, oh, Josh Gad is being so corny, and, like, like, why are we focusing on him? But because this movie fucking sucks, like, I'm the Josh Gad does anything that's, like, even remotely character work or even remotely a joke. I'm like, ah, oh, hell yeah, this is fun. I love this.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You can tell he's just having a good
2: time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and, like... Because that's that's the whole idea in the book is that like oh dwarves can like unhinge their jaws and they tunnel by eating dirt and then like just as quickly as they take dirt in they expel it out the other side so they could just sort of like swim through the d- earth basically um, like a yeah. worm and, and much is made of how gross that is and that's like part of it yeah and um. But, you know, in the book, you're sort of expected to believe that they kind of have, like, giant heads and tiny, stocky bodies. And, you know, they kind of look as though they it would be possible for them for to that. do that. Um, but, anyway. It, but, yeah, so there's these bits in this where Josh Gad, like, unhinges his jaw and is, like... He's got this big, giant, like, nightmarish mouth that opens up. And then he, like, yeah, jumps into terrifying. the ground and, like, tunnels through. And there's this, like, one quick shot that's just, like... A point of view shot of him underground like tunneling through the ground and it looks like Pink Floyd's The Wall album cover. I think that yeah. That's like my favorite shot of the whole movie. Um, also well,
1: The only good joke goes to Josh Gad right. where Holly's like I'm gonna need my gun and the butler reaches in his pocket and can't find it and then Josh Gad hands her the gun because he pickpocketed it. That's right. the only yeah, good joke in the whole
2: movie.
0: Funny. That's the only time I laughed in this movie. Yeah. Um, also,
2: it was, like, probably four seconds too long. Like, just get out of your pocket. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, like, there's the scene where he's in the prison with the goblins. And, like, Josh really Gad has, like, four or five lines that are, like, almost funny. But that's enough for me in context in this movie. I'm in like, th- you know this what? film,
1: that's enough.
0: That's fine. You know what? Sure. I would be disappointed like, with those jokes in any didn't other movie. You did write the line. But... <laughs> Right, yeah, it's, like, at least it's it's something.
1: This was, like, almost funny, but it wasn't annoying, so we're gonna count it (laughs) as a win. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, and yeah, I don't know, and I just, I want to point out that, like, it's it's all of the weird story things that they make up for this movie. Like, obviously, like, that weird object is nothing, that Holly's dad is nothing, artemis senior having anything to do with fairies is nothing he doesn't know about fairies the entire book series that's never part of it i like
1: how they take holly whose original story even though it wasn't about that was about her kind of like facing misogyny and like being her own person and they changed that so that her whole character arc is based around a male person i really like that i think that's cool
0: um, but she's trying to find her dead dad who's not a thing in the books. Who's
2: just a fucking man. And, <laughs> or like, redeem him or whatever.
0: Yeah, because her dad got framed for being a traitor or something. Because he working with the MacGuffin! And, and it's, he like, it's stupid. The It's stupid to make this whole world be something that Artemis Fowl just, like, stumbles upon. Like, mm-hmm. part of what's cool about the book is that the whole first act is him, like martian style like systematically finding out information and extrapolating details of the fairy culture from it like
2: painstakingly
0: Mm -hmm. like bit by bit and each of those little bits you're getting are really interesting and the story really is satisfying when you see it all coming together like that but in this it's just like artemis your dad did all the interesting stuff off screen so that's now my dad. there are fairies Artemis and you're like okay That's fine. my dad. Also we it's along. weird it's weird that Butler like has authority over Artemis in this and like just treats him like a kid most of the time because that's yep. the fun of that dynamic in the books is that like Artemis is his superior and Butler's like this 40-year-old 300-pound muscular Russian man and Artemis yeah. Fowl is a pasty eleven-year-old boy who has ultimate authority over him and his life. That's funny, yeah. and they just don't but not do that when it's in a this. black
1: when it's a black person. It's just horrifying because it's <laughs> right. slavery again.
0: It's, but it's not. But I don't even think it's that because you don't you don't get that Artemis has authority over him. Like yeah, he feels, exactly. Like Butler feels like his babysitter, and that's no fun.
2: Yeah, <sighs> it's icky. <laughs> I I feel like Artemis Fowl wasn't really in this movie very much. No. no. Nobody
0: is really like, in this movie very much. Yeah. <laughs> because they've cut out every single part of this movie that would endear you to a character at all. There is mm-hmm. absolutely just... nothing in this movie. It's like if you said to if like if you handed somebody a chicken and like a baked chicken and was like, I need you uh-huh. to trim the fat. And they just got rid of all the meat, and there's just a skeleton left. And you'd be like, that's not really what I meant. It's
2: not a chicken anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like.
2: Yeah, it just felt like a Josh Gad filibuster a lot of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Josh Gad is the only person who I felt any sort of yeah. consistency, any sort of familiarity with at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Because and he, he got the scene him. in the prison, which is mostly a scene, right? <laughs> Yeah. And, like, yeah. it's just, th- there's, abs- I mean, like I said before, they've cut out every single part of this movie that is what makes movies yeah. interesting, as an abstract idea, you know?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's, a, it really it's just is just a skeleton. It's like... Someone giving a synopsis of what yes. <laughs> yeah. Artemis Fowl is.
0: I mean, like I said, it's like a trailer. It feels like you're watching a feature length trailer for a movie you're never gonna get to see.
2: And it's like the one thing I feel like Artemis Fowl is the type of book that lends itself to yeah. a little mini series. Yeah, I think it could fun. be a really excellent mini series.
0: And it's also weird because they're they're like they're sort of adapting bits and pieces of the first two yeah. books in this series. Because the second book is about Artemis going and saving his dad. And that's when Opal Cowboy shows up for the first time. So there's, like, a lot of sort of ideas and elements from the second book that are sort of being incorporated into the this first movie. But it's, like, it's not like Series of Unfortunate Events where it's like, oh, these books are actually really short and there's not a lot of to latch on to. So we're going to put, like, three books into one movie and it kind of fits and it fits yeah. satisfying, you know? It's... Like, there's plenty in the first book to make a movie about. And this They're just movie... like, oh,
2: we don't want people to think he's a terrible person. Yeah.
0: And, they're like, it already just blows on its own because there's yeah. too much in it for how short it is. And you're chosen to adapt two books yeah, instead of just really, one. What
1: was really confusing and for like, me is because what I remember of the first book is that there's something with, like, the fairy magic that they have to, like, renew it every once in a while. So that's why... Holly right. goes to that tree because she has to bury an acorn to, like, get her magic back, if I'm remembering it correctly. And then when before she yeah. can get her magic back, she gets kidnapped by Artemis, so that's why she gets trapped in the first place. Which makes so much sense, more sense because than Holly just being shitty at her job and getting kidnapped, like, because of her <laughs> right. dad. Like, that just sucks. And there's but so then, what was confusing?
0: There's so much fun lore about fairy magic in the books, and you learn all about, like, their rituals and their powers, and... How they live their lives and what they have to do in order to have magic and specifically what they can do with the magic is all very conscientiously built out and we never see anything like that at all in this movie. And there's also a lot of cool stuff about the gadgets like Foley is important in the book because... He's like the cue of the series. He's always like briefing people on missions and telling yeah. them what gadgets they're going well, to use then, in order to. What's to even pull more it off, confusing you know? is that
1: the MacGuffin is shaped like an acorn, like they're referencing the acorn from the book. And that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. I also love how when Holly gets the MacGuffin, she only uses it to bring back Artemis' dad. She doesn't have any of her character motivation things that she's dealing with. She doesn't do any of that with this right. thing of ultimate power. She just teleports his dad back. I would be, I would be stupid, but I wouldn't yep. be mad if she like brought her own dad back from the dead or whatever. Like she just like, who but fucking can knows? She?
0: <laughs> what does this thing do? Did she? Did the dad <laughs> d- die? Yeah.
1: Yes. I think I he's don't know. Dead. I don't think he did. Cause, no, because Opal says, "Say so hi here. to p- tree That's, branch." We don't know McFlower anything. Flower for me. <laughs> When she's about to kill Arnimus right. Fowl So I assume that he's dead
2: <sighs> Or is anyway, really uh
0: So the verdict dad. <laughs> What do you guys think? Thumbs up, thumbs down
2: Thumbs down I'm gonna give this movie uh, Two mind wipes Because <laughs> you had to
1: watch it Over two days and you don't want to remember wipes. Any of them
2: Because I, I tried to watch it twice And I <laughs> yeah. wish I could erase it both times uh, <laughs> Thumbs Down isn't
1: isn't a movie.
2: They, they tried to make a
1: it's movie, but then they didn't not.
2: make a movie. I think that that comes with a caveat, colon, backslash. I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that it was good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, like, Owen Colfer and Kenneth Branagh both have been doing their, like, press junket. And basically everybody keeps saying, like, before the movie came out, anybody saw it. But they, like, knew the ideas. They were like why did you uh, not do any of the fucking stuff that's in the book? And they keep, keep, like, trying to, like, defend it and be like, well, it's because of this, and I really thought it'd be interesting if we did this. And they're like, you can see right through it. They're totally just, like, bullshitting. Like... And I'm, I'm not, like, mad about it, because that's just how the film industry works. You don't want to, like, throw somebody under the bus or be like, Oh, I hated it, it sucks, that's well, you why it if you're making a movie,
1: you can't like, just be like, It was the days. producer's fault, because you're never going to get hired ever again by anybody. <laughs> right, <yeah.
0: laughs> but it's just, like, this weird, horrifying thing where you see Kenneth Branagh try to, like, defend... Yeah. You. The movie sort of and you're like you can just mm-hmm. see in his eyes that he knows it sucks ass. And it's just there's something so sad about it. And like, I don't know, and Kenneth Branaugh is really interesting to me. Because like some in the nineties he did like forty thousand Shakespeare yeah. adaptations that were like just and very simple. All of them straight up and down, like, period pieces Shakespeare adaptations, like, as written, right? And he was pretty good at it. Like, people were into most of his Shakespeare movies. And then he branched out a little bit and he did, like, a Frankenstein, but he's, like, all about, like, classic literature, you know? Um, And then at a certain point, um, Disney hires him on to do Thor, which I think is a cool idea on paper, because he's, like, only known for doing, like, all these classic yeah. literature things. And to bring and him Thor's, on to do Thor. Yeah,
2: pretty Shakespearean. Who's,
0: yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a fun, interesting idea to have Kenneth Branagh do that. And he kind of pulls it off. Thor's fine. I don't know. Whatever. But, like, from that point on, he's just sort of become this guy who can take a piece of IP for Disney and it right like straight down the middle <laughs> you know yeah like, just like n- point shoot the, do it make the simplest version of this you possibly can that's kind of what he does with thor it's what he did with cinderella it's what he did with murder on the orient express he's just like yeah he's sure almost you know like, fine <laughs> you know
1: he's almost like chris columbus on level of boring but I don't think I, that's
0: quite true. I still think, I think he
1: has more vision than Chris Columbus does.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't I, think this movie was boring. I just don't think that. Yeah, it just felt like a little chicken skeleton. It's like it's not yeah. boring. It's not
1: engaging though, and I think yeah. that's a really yeah. fine line. Like it's like I watched it and it didn't keep my attention, but like things were happening. I
2: guess.
0: Right. Yeah, Maybe it, it was boring, so pointless. Though. And like, I've never I felt still...
2: a movie like this before. No, it's weird. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, genuinely, like I mean this in all seriousness. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that like feels like this before. It yeah. is like so. It is so nothing. I can't think of anything I can even compare it to. It's like
1: just, it's so fast paced. It's just like exposition so to exposition to, to exposition to go nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And. I still think I, in terms of my 2020 ranking, I still think I like this better than I like Scoob, because this movie is at least, <laughs> like, infuriating. Like, <laughs> you know? But whereas Scoob didn't feel like this weird disaster, Scoob felt like somebody making exactly what movie they wanted to, and it being the worst. <laughs> you know, which I think I value much lower than something like this, which is just a weird disaster that's almost fascinating yeah. to try to, like, I mean,
1: there's something, look at. There's something to respect of someone who tried to make something, and that thing that they made just being garbage. I think that's way more respectable yeah. than just setting out to make nothing of value.
0: <laughs> right. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, Art of Not foul. to
1: talk about Chris Columbus. For the millionth time on this podcast But like Every time I think about Chris Columbus I think about the fact that there was a moment Where he was like They were like talking about him directing the Five Nights at Freddy's movie And I just (laughs) Cannot fathom whose idea That was Was that Chris Columbus's (laughs) idea?
0: I'm sure he was the one who was interested in it
1: that would be the most weirdly boring film on the planet it would just be home alone again (laughs) except there's a big scary bear there like (laughs) um
0: i think here's what i think is gonna happen yeah i think this movie is gonna go for the series of unfortunate events model where like five years later More than that. Ten years later, it's weirdly going to be a Netflix miniseries with Kenneth Branagh as executive producer, and, like, you'll realize that, like, oh, fuck, this is kind of what he wanted to do, just like happened with the Series of Unfortunate Events. Um, But the Series of Unfortunate
1: Events movie was good.
0: Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Okay, so the Series of Unfortunate Events movie was supposed to be directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah. Um... And he basically got fired from the production just before principal photography started, and they brought on somebody else to to like actually shoot and produce the movie. After Barry Sonnenfeld was the guy who sort of carried the football up to the the mm-hmm. starting line. That was a weird sports <laughs> metaphor that didn't make sense, but um, the baseball. <laughs> anyway, um, but and then the series of unfortunate events Netflix series is for the most part directed and produced by barry sonnenfeld it's yeah. like him getting another swing at this thing that he didn't quite get to do and i can't help but shake the feeling that all the stuff that's good about the series and abortion events movie is because of barry sonnenfeld's pre-production work you oh know? i'm sure they have very um,
1: similar aesthetics
0: right um but yeah and i think because that's what they're doing now with percy jackson too Is there, they're they're doing a Disney Plus miniseries for Percy Jackson. Although I don't think Chris Columbus is involved with that. Let me see.
1: Good. I I
2: literally, too fell asleep (laughs) last night, instead, watched Percy Jackson.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. I haven't watched that since I've been an adult. I always feel like it's one of those things that I feel like I want to watch and have a take about how it's not that bad, but. I don't know, I'm just always afraid that I'm going to watch it and be like, oh yeah, no, this does just blow, and I don't have anything interesting to say yeah, about well, it. Yeah,
1: well, it's like, the thing about the Percy Jackson movie, I also haven't seen it in a little bit, is that it was also just a bad movie, and was also a terrible adaptation of a book series that people really cared about, so it was just like the perfect storm of bad movie, of like, this movie is boring, and also it's a bastardization of a thing that I love. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it
2: was just like, how, how can we make another Harry Potter series as quickly as possible yeah. with as little money as I've possible? I've got Chris Columbus
1: on speed dial, let's go.
0: <laughs> right. The
2: good things about the the movie are the things that are similar to the book, and that's it.
0: Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking at it, it doesn't seem like they have anybody attached to Percy Jackson yet. Besides, apparently the only person who's even talking about it is Rick Riordan, the guy who wrote the books. He just like announced yeah. that they're going to do that. And, like, there's no, like, filmmakers yeah. associated with he, it yet.
1: Because Rick. Rick fucking hated the movie. <laughs> he hated it so much, so.
0: Yeah. Which I, think I don't... Okay. Yeah. You're allowed to. Yeah, but I think... I still think it's mean, though. Like, I get hating Fair. it, but I think if you are in the entertainment industry and you go on Twitter and are like, fuck that movie. Everybody who tried to make mm. that movie sucks dick and can eat my balls like Rick Riordan does is like... Come on, man.
1: (laughs) What I had heard was that he had been, like, in on the production and was, like, helping them and, like, wrote them a script and was, like, in conversation with them. And then they were just like fuck you Rick get out of here. And then and then they made a <laughs> shitty movie. Right. So I think he's just pissed.
0: Like Yeah, I don't know. It would be one know. thing
1: if they rejected his ideas and then made an, a good movie. Like that would be one thing. But they rejected his ideas and then made a piece of shit. So I <laughs> right. totally understand him being just like fuck fuck this production.
0: <laughs> still, I just think I don't know. I think it's unprofessional. I think that there's like a there's like a sweet spot of like, there was, I remember watching the director's commentary on Age of Ultron, where Joss Whedon, basically, he's kind of upfront about the fact that he's, like, not super proud of the movie he finished with, but he still acknowledges, like, his own responsibility in that, and sort of talks about it as though, and you know, he says like, oh, and they told me this and they told me that. But he's, like, very much empathetic towards that idea, you know? And he, like, talks about, like, actually the fight, like, why they wanted what they wanted and why he wanted what he wanted. And it's, like, I feel like there is a way to, like, talk about your disappointments with a product that you were involved with, or even that you weren't involved with, that aren't just being an asshole about it, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's also a different conversation because Rick Riordan is not a part of the film industry. Right. He's a part of, he's an author, which is kind of a very individualistic career. It's like you writing a book and there's like editors and publishers and stuff. But for the most part, it's just you creating a thing. And I think that's a totally different experience from a movie, which involves 10 billion different people and 10 billion different ideas all working together to make a product. So the product isn't always one person's soul
0: vision
1: right yeah so i can understand coming from his perspective and then when that outcome is bad him being like what were you what were you specific person doing you know
0: (laughs) right yeah (sighs) anyway so this is another one of those weird times when there's not really any readable readily available um reviews that reviews. i can pull it came out like two from, days ago, yeah. just came out there's not really anything funny enough built up yet but um i will just say that you can follow us on twitter at no nerds pod and you can email us at no nerds pod at gmail.com and if you write an itunes review we will read it on the air and i've been saying that for like four weeks now and you guys still haven't <laughs> done it Whatever, I'm just gonna get saltier and saltier about it. The longer you don't do it, so just keep that in mind. Um,
1: Little <laughs> well, incentive, <and> maybe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. If you guys want me to just keep being mad about it, then by all means, don't write me iTunes reviews.
1: Don't just donate five dollars to the Patreon. Come on.
0: <laughs> we don't. We're have providing a Patreon. hours of free entertainment, and if you can't. Write an iTunes review. You should be working instead is what I'm saying. Yeah. Come Um, on. Anyway. Uh, Not
2: a lot to ask.
0: (laughs) So, yes, that's all. Thank you. And remember that our podcast is going to be on a different channel next week if you're a YouTube folk. Check uh, it out next
2: week. Robocop. Full review (laughs) and analysis.
0: (laughs) Oh, I should say this. Adeline and I are working on a new bit to start doing on this podcast where once a month we, instead of just choosing a movie to cover we let a random generator pick what movie we're going to cover.
2: Am I the random generator?
0: No.
1: (laughs) The random generator keeps saying RoboCop and I think it's broken.
0: (laughs) Because I think we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of similar kinds of movies, and this is my version of trying to make us branch out into something a little bit more outside of our comfort zone. That's sort of out of our hands, right? Yeah. So next I love week, it. next week is going to be a random movie episode, and we haven't decided on it yet. We're still kind of figuring out what the best way to randomly select a movie is going to be.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but uh, we're saying, excited Robocop about it.
2: Poignant. Relevant to Sorry. the times that we're living in today. Okay. Police brutality and robots. And robots. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, Every because time you yeah. come
2: on, I'm going to talk about Robocop until I actually get stuck. So good. It. We'll
0: get you there. We'll get you there. We were planning on doing Robocop with you soon. It's just that we needed you to come on and do Artemis Fowl in an emergency session today. Yeah, you
2: know, I scratch your back, you let me talk about bro. <laughs>
0: okay, can do. Anyway, so yeah, hopefully that random movie will not be, like, just some anonymous comedy from 2002 you've never even heard of. Hopefully we'll be able to find a balance where it's, like, a movie that feels delightfully random while also being something you've heard of and might be interested in hearing us talk about if that makes sense so it does <laughs> yeah so we're working as the audience <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be surprised by whatever our next episode is is yeah. what I'm trying to say okay that's all final thoughts before we log off
1: B Jackson might be streaming Ponyo also
0: oh right we're also thinking about streaming Ponyo soon.
1: Yep, that's.
2: Um, I'm sorry to Rick Riordan And um, Artemis Fowl I hope you find Holly's dad soon yeah. That's all
0: Rip Holly's <laughs> okay, dad cool.
2: That's all I got
0: Sounds perfect Alright we'll see you, you next He'll week
2: small. <laughs> okay, These are bye. always really weird
0: outros When I don't have a button But bye we'll see you Here's, See you on the flippity. Rest side. in
1: pieces Josh Gad Catch her on the flippity vlog. 1987 to 2020 <laughs>
2: That's it. there you go, I got the bike!